Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Broads Who Binge. I'm Molly. And I'm Marissa. And we're just two broads who uh, basically binge watch all the TV shows that you have or should be watching. Yeah. And that's what we do. That's right. Um, well, I'm excited for this week's uh, TV show, but should we talk about anything before that? Yeah, sure. What's been going on this week? Two, what, one week, one week since we've talked. Yeah. Um, okay, so obviously, like in the TV world, there's some major uh, drama going around in the Bachelor universe. So that'll be interesting to see how oh, that plays yeah. out. We um, haven't even really talked about the Bachelor on this show really at all. Not really. I mean, there hasn't really been like an active slash interesting season because no, last there hasn't. Peters. Yeah, you're right. Um, but soon enough, I think we'll have some real juicy, juicy stuff to recap on. I'm ready. I feel like that might be how men are like feeling frustrated about no sports. <laughs> is like I'm feeling like frustrated that there's been no Bachelor franchise like drama for me. Yeah, thank God for selling Sunset. I was like really lacking in reality drama. Oh, we needed that. That came at a crucial time, honestly. It did, but I'm already, I finished it in like four hours. Oh, same. I mean, I've been done since I think the day after it premiered. Yeah. And it was because I was really hungover on Friday. So I couldn't like, <laughs> you know, when you're hungover and you can't like actually process new information. Yeah, it's been a minute since I was hungover, but yes. That's, like, how it was. So, I just, like, couldn't process. That's a good show for that. I mean, that's a good show for, like, most things. Like, I was alert and actively watching, and it was still great. Yeah. Oh, no, I couldn't watch it on Friday because I was too hungover. I had to wait until Saturday. (laughs) Or else I would have finished it on Friday, which was when it premiered. Yeah, it was – it's so good. It was exactly what I was needing. Um and then also, I began microneedling last night. Okay, so you need to tell me the situation of microneedling. Are you microneedling okay. yourself? Yeah. Okay, so here's the scoop. Per the FDA, which my mom lovingly reminded me that the FDA once approved medications that now are on the commercials where lawyers are like if you Mes- took like the mesothelial <laughs> I can't even say it you know what commercial I'm talking about yeah mesothelium yes yeah exactly I know exactly. so it's like yes mom thank you you're right the FDA once did approve that however we're playing in the here and now because given 2020 who knows if there will be a tomorrow exactly you have to live every day like it's your last yeah especially right now so okay so here's the scoop fda approves it up to like i think it's like 0.2 millimeter needles at home use mine are significantly smaller than that i went on amazon and bought a micro needler that i think they're like 0.03 length so like oh so like tiny 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 they're very small you can't barely feel them honestly I really like needles, so I think it feels kind of good. But even if you didn't, like, it barely hurts at all. Okay. Okay, so 
Yeah, so I got them. Um, you can use them on your face to remove, like, wrinkles and acne and stuff. Yeah, that feels aggressive to start on your face. I'm not going to lie. If you did that, no shade, no hate. I would just be scared personally to start there. No, it feels like a really big commitment to start on your face. Yeah, I completely agree. I think you got to start on a part of your body that, like, no one's going to see actively. Exactly. Well, I decided to start on the part of my body because I actually am, like, pretty happy with my body however I started on the part that for the last 20 years essentially has bugged me since puberty and that is the stretch marks on my thighs yeah so I read all these articles about how microneedling kind of has proved or like seems to be producing good results so I don't know I jumped in I started it last night um like I said I thought it felt pretty good it definitely didn't hurt today like it got red for maybe an hour after and everything's back to normal today so I don't know I'll keep you guys updated on my microneedle journey but um I don't know I think for like a $20 investment to try it out we'll, we'll see it's an experiment yeah it could go really well yeah, and pretty soon I'll just be microneedling my entire body, like my face, my neck, my everything. I'm telling you that ice roller like changed my life. I love it so much. So maybe that'll be that for you. It might. It really maybe might. Maybe it'll start really calming you. <laughs> just like sticking needles in me calms me. I mean, I really like like getting my blood drawn. So maybe yeah, that's like, oh my gosh, we are very different in that way. <laughs> very different in that way would you you wouldn't get it would you get a tattoo no because of the needle or just because of other things I mean so like I've never I like have never really considered getting one just because I don't feel like I have anything a I don't know if I have like the look to pull off a tattoo and that's just like my look it's just like not very cool like I'm just you're pure yeah I'm just not like very cool I'm not very edgy like it's what it is you knows that your body is a temple yeah I mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah I treat it with a lot of respect (laughs) right but um yeah I also just like don't have anything I think I'd really want and then I'm also really scared of needles so it's just a combination of a lot of forces that makes it seem like like, because I don't even wear earrings anymore. Yeah, I was like, going to ask you. you know, I can't like, remember if your I ears do are have pierced. my earrings pierced, or my earrings pierced, my ears pierced. And I wore earrings for the first time actually on, on Thursday. I oh, wore wow. some hoops, but wow. I hadn't worn earrings probably all of 2020. I mean, I maybe wear them once a year. I have no idea how the holes are still open at one part, like point. I had to re pierce them. I and think that didn't bother you? No, it fucking hurt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean. But I th- it was for some wedding where, like, a bride bought me a pair of earrings that I was supposed to wear. And my, like, one of my holes had closed up. So I had to punch the earring through my yeah. ear. And yeah, it started bleeding. It. Yeah, it doesn't feel great. So. Yeah, I kind of liked it. But, again, we're a little different. Yeah, I'm not. I've, like, thrown up and almost passed out at many <laughs> blood. Dr- and, like, I start crying. I also have really difficult veins to find. Mm. Like, it happens constantly. They can't find them. And then I'll, like, tell – I've gotten to the point where I, like, look at the lady who or man who's going to draw my blood. And I say, listen, I don't mean to scare you, but I, let me just tell you how this is going to go. 
you're gonna tell me that I'm being dramatic after this conversation, and it's gonna play out how I'm telling you. 10 out of 10 times, this is what goes down. So I just need you to believe me. When I say you need to bring in your most experienced nurse or like pathologist, whatever the fuck the blood people are, the hematologist. Phlebotomist. Phlebotomist, yep. Yep. You need to bring in your most experienced person. And I say that because every single time I get my blood drawn, the person who I'm having this conversation with says, no worries. You'll be fine. I promise. I'm great at my job. And like, I get you might be great at your job, but I promise you that you will not be able to find my vein. <laughs> and at that point, I will be having such a panic attack. I will be in full on tear. I mean, I will be hyperventilating. I will be crying. I will be almost <laughs> screaming. And you are going to wish that you had just given this job to the most experienced person on your team. <laughs> And, and they're like, okay, Karen. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. They're like, you're a psychopath. And then it happens every time. They have to bring a second person in to be able wow. to find this vein. So it's that- just not, it's just not for me. No. Okay, that's that's reasonable. That's fair. Um. Well, then maybe microneedling is not for you. Yeah, I don't. I did the um, dermaplaning for my face, but I did not do the microneedling mm. for my face. And the dermaplaning was scary, but it didn't hurt. Is that the one where they? It's like, the razor, and they basically face? shave the full like layer of your hair and skin off. Interesting. <laughs> I do have facial hair, and so it does like shave all the hair off, and then you can like put on makeup a lot better so I liked it interesting well there's our our this is a skincare podcast now yeah exactly I mean I wouldn't be mad about that I do love skincare I do too um cool well how was your week what's the scoop um this has been a very stressful week for me to be perfectly honest I've decided to not drink this week so I just because I felt like I just like just like felt like I was drinking too much and just like you know just needed a little detox Great. so I've not been drinking and there and I also try to not drink when I'm like really stressed out and I've been very stressed out about closing this home yeah. so last night I had like full multiple nightmares about the house closing yeah I woke up in a full cold sweat like fully drenched in sweat after the second nightmare which didn't even make sense because it was like the house that I bought got robbed and destroyed before I bought it but somehow all my shit was in the house and so all my stuff was like ruined but I hadn't actually closed yet and they were like well it's too bad because you're closing on it and there's nothing you can do and all your stuff's gone and ruined Wow. Um, And then today I had to wire the money, which was, like, really stressful and scary for me. And I had, like, a full, like, I woke my mom up, bless her heart, at 6 (laughs) a.m. when I was fully, like, hyperventilating, crying on the phone. I was like, I can't do this. This is not great. And I wired the money. And so we're hopeful that it went to the right place and not to, like, (laughs) scammers from somewhere. Um, So... By the time this airs, I should be the owner of a condo. 
Well, it'll be great. They do say that buying a house slash moving is one of the top stressors in life. So give yourself some credit. You'll be fine. Thanks, girl. I hope so. It should be good. Yeah. Yeah, um, it'll be great. Um. Yeah, so that's pretty much consumed my whole week. And I did right before this was on like a basically a... I don't know, like a training on microaggressions 101. Wow. Which is actually, it was interesting. It was really good. I mean, again, just learning about stuff that is so ingrained in like how we speak to one another. And even though like, obviously I am white, so I hold a lot of privilege thinking about scenarios where like, I have experienced microaggressions was also interesting too. Yeah, I bet. That's super interesting. And, you know, we got we got a VP pick finally. So it's been a big week. You got a what? We got the vice president pick. Oh, Mama I think you said DP and I was like, <laughs> like double penetration. <laughs> no. I was no. like, this just took a drastic. No. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. 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 Um, great. No. Yes, VP pick. That's great. I know that you've loved Kamala for a long time. Yeah, I do. I actually think I go back and forth because I understand her obviously history as a prosecutor yeah. is probably not as like any prosecutor. Like, yeah, if you're a prosecutor, you're going to have a history of this. Like that is just like, I think, period. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think we watch enough true crime, speaking of what we're going to talk about today, but we watch enough true crime to see, like, sort of the script that all prosecutors seem to follow, and it's not always uh, great for the defendants, obviously. Yeah, exactly. So, I understand that she does have some problematic things about her past but I mean I I like her overall I think that she's gonna bring a lot of life and passion to his campaign she's a very talented speaker and debater and I think that Joe does not necessarily inspire some and I think that she can really help elevate his team and campaign so yeah. I'm excited I, I think, think I think it was a exactly smart choice I do actually yeah I, I think all of that is right well should we jump into what our podcast yeah is let's about? jump in so disclaimer this is not a spoiler free zone yeah although to be fair although yeah this, to be, one... this is like yeah, we'll we'll talk about this show, but again, this like happened. It's very Googleable and it was on the news. So it is kind of hard to spoil true crime because the crime has happened. Has you been know? spoiled, yeah. It's been right. spoiled. So we're we're kind of like spoiling what has already been spoiled. Yeah. So exactly right. Marissa, do you wanna tell them what show we're talking about and like give them a little background? I would love to. Um, okay, so we are talking today, and frankly, we've been talking a long time 
about how we're surprised it's taken us this long to talk about true crime because it's one of our very favorite genres. Um, Yes, we love true crime. Love. But today we're talking about I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which um, recently premiered on HBO as a docu-series, but originally was the name of the book by Michelle McNamara, which really tracked her obsessive search uh, as like a citizen detective of the Golden State Killer, which she coined that term. He was previously known as the East Area Rapist, the Visalia Ransacker, and the original Night Stalker. Um, And at the point that it was, the book was released, 2018, February of 2018, um, he was still nameless and faceless. He was still the Golden State Killer. Two months after the book was released, uh, they closed in on him, made an arrest of Joseph James D'Angelo. May he rot in hell. Uh, Seriously. And so now the HBO series really dives deep into her journey of of writing this book and solving this mystery without really ever getting to see it come to fruition. So the show um, also then tracks the arrest that was made and sort of the what happened afterward. Yeah, and you read the book too. Yeah, did you? So I rented it on audiobook and then I forgot that I hate audiobooks. <laughs> I hate so, audiobooks. I, yeah, I couldn't. I tried to listen to it. I'm literally going to sound so bougie, but I'm pretty sure I was getting on I swear I was getting on a train somewhere in Europe and I have a distinct memory. Where was I going on this train? I don't remember. I was getting on a train and I remember listening to it in the cold and being like, this audiobook is not what I need right now. I need to listen to some like hardcore rap to get myself hyped for this ride. Yeah, in my opinion, audiobooks are trash. Um, I know that that's a really controversial. Yeah, no, it is. And I do feel like you and I, uh, like, are the minority in this for sure. We are, but, like, the the narrating voice, like, matters so much. I oh, yes. I would rather read a book or watch a show. And um, that said, this book, when you read it, I thought was outstanding. So I read the book before they made an arrest. Um before we had a name or and a face to the killer, which actually I think made the book much scarier. Oh um, yeah, it was the her writing. I I think you see this everywhere, everywhere you read about the book. But Michelle McNamara, the author's book or, or the author's writing, it's just so outstanding. Like the way she's able to do a nonfiction piece of work, but write it narratively so beautifully like the writing is outstanding it's so scary um it's it's such a good book and I thought that the show I really loved the show I thought that it did I've seen a lot of shows and podcasts sort of capitalizing off of her fame and off of this story since uh since her book came out but I thought that this show did a really nice job of of telling the story what did you think I thought it was one of the better true crime documentaries that I'd watched personally. I thought it was very, and also for some reason, I don't really think I have read 
a lot about the Golden State Killer. Really? Or, like, watched a lot about him. Okay. So I felt like I didn't have a ton of information. So I found it very interesting. And yeah, it was it was just it's completely different really from any true crime documentary that I've seen because like you said, it is nonfiction and so it talks about obviously like we interview with survivors, we do talk about like you know, when there's finally a face, like, we see at his trial, etc. But it really does focus on her life. And then she's also this writer, but becomes a citizen detective, which is also incredibly fascinating. That she kind of just made this jump and all of a sudden is, like, legit solving. I mean, you can pretty, like, she was instrumental in this case being solved. Like, I don't think this case gets solved without all of the research that she did. No, there's a lot of uh, information out there that that's true. So, like, she, first of all, she coined the term Golden State Killer, which sort of uh, made the case gain interest broadly um, and gave it some traction so that people started working on it. Um, and started looking at these three previously named criminals as with one through line. She really worked in tandem with the investigators and even the key investigators like Paul Holes give her a ton of credit for unearthing some really important information. Yeah, no, it, it was it's pretty cool. I mean, But it is also, I liked the part that it showed. I mean, I guess we haven't really said this, but it, like, talks a lot about the mental health toll it takes on her to do this work. And I also think as consumers of true crime, but then we also consume a lot of what, like, pop culture crime, you know, like, Law and Order, like, whatever, all these crime shows, Criminal Minds, like, they barely touch the surface like how it must absolutely fuck you up to be like researching the most horrible things that people can do to people and just how tough of a load that must be and it actually addresses that in this documentary which I liked too because like of course it does like of course it leads to like trauma I'm glad you noted that because I also was going to mention that, that I loved the transparency around her, her drug use because um, previously, well, prior to the, the launch of this show, I had always heard that she had died, period, and she also had a heart condition that likely led to it, and... Uh, she also was taking a couple like prescription drugs, but I feel like a lot of the news around her death really um, sort of made it sound like, Oh, maybe it was because she was on Adderall also in tandem with this heart condition. But I thought that this uh, documentary, which was produced by her husband, Patton Oswald, uh, talked about no actually she was using she was abusing prescription drugs which I think um, happens to a lot more functional people than we realize and it's hard to even know that that's happening and of course she was self-medicating because 
she was having a hard time sleeping after unearthing all these horrific stories about this um, awful excuse of a human. Yeah. And I mean, they set the stage very interestingly for it because in the, like in the documentary, a lot of times it will like be text conversations between Pat and Oswald. He's a comedian. I wouldn't have recognized his name, but if you Google a picture of him, you'll recognize him. Yeah, definitely. Um, and her, and she'll casually mention like, oh, I'm going to take a, like a, a Vicodin or, oh, I'm going to take a Xanax or, oh, I need to take an Ambien to go. Like, but it is like kind of very casual. And he talks in the end about how he realized that she was like prescribed these drugs, but he was like, she seemed so in control and like chilled about it that I just assumed she had it under control. And again, she was very functional, etc. And so he just like maybe didn't realize how big of a problem that it seems like it actually was for her. Yeah, this this show put a finer point on it than any of the other news stories and things I've heard before that it she she definitely had an issue with it and unfortunately um her death was an accidental overdose uh and she she had not yet finished the book she was uh you can tell through the documentary i mean they they talk about it she talks about what immense pressure she's under and overwhelmed in getting the book done and so when she passed away her community that she'd been working with sort of banded together to finish the book and get it published, knowing that that was her, her goal. Yeah. Which I think is really awesome that they did like end up publishing it. It's just her name on the front cover. If I do recall, I mean, I'm sure that they get credit obviously in the book for all the help that they did, but it's pretty cool that she gets this published and then, I mean, even more amazing that eventually the work leads to this horrible man getting put behind bars um, and he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. Yeah. And what here's one thing that's so cool about it. Um, So in her files, it was sort of chapters all sort of strewn about. There wasn't much of an order put to them yet. And when these people were going through all of her notes, they found uh, this this chapter entitled letter to an old man, which they end up finishing the book with. And I remember reading it and it's, uh, it ends the book and it is her letter to an old man. And she essentially predicts line by line of how they'll finally catch him that the, he will be in his house thinking he's gotten away with it for all these years. And he'll hear someone pull up to his house, doors shut a knock on the door and then they will finally arrest this old man for it. Um, and I remember at the time reading it, I was like, no way this guy's dead or already in prison. Like there's no way that someone who's been a serial killer and rapist just stops for 30 years, um, which I want to talk about in a little bit, Yeah, but, uh, but it was a really powerful way to end the book. And then she turned out to be exactly right. I know. I was so honestly, it did make me pretty sad that a, she didn't live to see her book published or this guy get caught. Oh, a hundred percent. But at least like 
you know oh my god at least he's caught like thank god because this guy i mean what yeah, should we should we talk about his crimes i actually and i should note that like i have studied up on this case a lot and even though i went into this documentary knowing all of the details i still found it great so highly recommend whether you're into this case already or if you don't know about it yeah see i really feel like i did not know a ton about this case so i think you and i have like opposite perspectives which i guess is good because usually we're on like the same exact wavelength of but we both came to the same conclusion that it's great yeah no it's it is really good so okay so we talked about this guy joseph 510 classic classic james d'angelo and he has a small penis we know that we do so okay so it began in the 70s (laughs) those are that's all you need to know that's it (laughs) if you're a 510 man with a small penis it equals you'll probably you're more than likely a serial killer i mean though but like kind of (laughs) it's like Um, the two most common um, (laughs) characteristics yeah and that's why there's so many murders in this country yeah, so we just got to, like, get rid of those, and then we're, it's chill. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but, okay, so he began in the 70s. Uh, he first was a peeping Tom. Then he graduated to breaking into people's homes and raping women, uh, young women and, and older women alike. There was really no bounds. Um, then he shortly, and that was when he was the East Area Rapist. Then he graduated to murder. Well, first he began raping women while their husband was also at home. So uh, this, in my opinion, and I want to know some of the things that creeped you out the most, but in my opinion, this fact is one of the creepiest um, and just shows how pure evil this man is. And like, I don't use that very often, but pure evil. Um, He would, he would take the woman in, he would first make her bind her husband then he would take her into the living room throw a towel over the tv so there was like dim lighting while he raped her meanwhile he put he went to the kitchen got plates and went and put them on the husband's back and said if i hear these plates move i'll kill your wife for me that is one of the most horrific pieces of what a terror he was um so he did that, and then shortly thereafter graduated to murder. And I can't remember. Can you remember how many people in total he murdered? Yeah, I actually have his Wikipedia up right now. Oh, thank you. So he murdered at least 13, more than 50 rapes, and 100 burglaries. Yeah. And, I mean, he would spend hours in the home. He would rape the the woman then he'd go eat a snack then he would they didn't really talk about this in the in the docuseries but in the book it talks about how he would say don't move until it's been hours since you heard me and he would sometimes just wait silently in the house for hours making the woman think it, it was safe to move and as soon as she started to he would be right there uh so he just uh, I mean, truly just. Yeah, awful. he like really tortured these these yeah. people. And I think I think what was really sad to me, too, about the like you talked about him raping the wives in front of the husbands. 
is at the very end of the documentary, actually a part I really loved about the documentary is like the community of survivors that kind of came from this book and this documentary and they got together and a lot of them like started going to therapy for the first time or making real breakthroughs because they realized that they were not alone and got a sense of community. But there was only one couple that ended up staying together that went through this trauma and I mean, I'm, I would guess that statistics for sexual violence survivors and like divorce, like it, I, I could see it being high because yeah. I think if you go through any trauma, I think if you go through any trauma, regardless, you're probably maybe more likely to get divorced, but especially a shared trauma like that. Yeah. And I, I think, think I think you're, I mean, you're bound, you're bound to to probably get divorced or to not be with that person because you're going to grieve in a different way than the other person's going to grieve. There's going to be blame cast on both sides. I mean, and so obviously, I mean, yeah, it just, it just felt really bad for, I mean, it was just horrible. I can't imagine going through what these women and men went through. I mean, Yeah, I mean, he terrorized essentially up the entire Golden Coast for over a decade, um, taking brief pauses and then moving to a new community. Uh, And this was in the 70s, which we've discussed, I think it was sort of the heyday for serial killers, it seems. Um, But it, it also really was conducive to his crimes because there was no CODIS, there was no way to track DNA. Yeah. Uh, Police departments in different communities were not communicating with each other whatsoever. Yeah, that's why he had like so, so many nicknames. He... They didn't realize it was the same guy. Exactly right. Exactly. But the also the part. Okay, this is kind of totally random, but the part that I thought was kind of wild is remember when they were interviewing his cousin, his his woman cousin. Yeah. And she talked about how he, like, didn't murder anyone for the three years that she lived with him. And then he started killing again. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this. Yeah. That was kind of crazy to me. Well, I wanted to talk about uh, why. Because this just seems astounding to me. Because if you believe that someone who murders people especially a serial murderer, if you believe that it's part of a psychological abnormality, which I think we sort of have come to the understanding that we think it is, um, then I don't really understand, like, how he and, for example, BTK go through this crazed mania of murdering so many people one after the other, then take a break because he did take a break yeah. for a little bit and then do, then it, do again. it again and then just and, stop but and then stop for for decades he stopped for at least two decades he didn't at that least we that know we're aware of. of oh i feel like a lot of times it does have to do with them having kids or like getting married yeah. and then all this which is so <laughs> fucked up because again it puts it on the women it's like they need these women in order to like not be murdering and raping people Okay, but here, I mean, I agree with you. This is the part of true crime that really, I mean, a lot of it fascinates me. But this one really trips me up because on the reverse side, Ted Bundy 
had his really serious girlfriend for the entire time he was raping women and yeah them. that's true it can go both so ways. that's the piece. it can go both ways apparently apparently i mean that's the part that i really hope someone probably like a profile already is studying but i would love to know like what is it about these people that can lead them to murder but then can also they can control it it, to a certain degree yeah it's like or are they doing something else when they're not like was he like i i don't know if they've interviewed like or i guess his wife died in 2019 right so we don't know yeah i was just like i wonder like was he like raping his or like was he terrorizing like his wife and his family like was it somewhere else that we just don't know of or did he really like you say kind of cold turkey stop I don't know yeah that's interesting I mean his original girlfriend they don't really talk about this in the show but it's a big deal because they do interview his like college girlfriend named Bonnie yeah this was wild this is a really big deal in the book because uh apparently while he was raping some of the women some women thought that he was crying and saying I'm sorry mommy but then some women thought he was crying and saying I'm sorry Bonnie so one of the really key things in finally finding him in addition to the genealogy and DNA was finding someone who had a significant relationship with a woman named Bonnie yeah and he had basically tried to like kidnap her like and what like luckily her dad was home and she was able to like avoid it and it's also weird to me that he never came after her too it is weird but it does sound like from her perspective that even in his young 20s he had really erratic behavior yeah yeah, that's I mean, wild. Can you, you know, imagine like knowing that you dated or were engaged to a serial killer or a serial rapist? Actually, let's take a quick break and then I want to dive deeper okay. into this. Okay, we're back. And yeah, I wanted to talk to you about uh, this idea of being close to a serial killer. So both B, I mean, BTK, I haven't read the book yet, but his daughter um, published a book about being the daughter oh, wow. of a serial killer. And then obviously this guy, Joseph James D'Angelo, has, three. I think, three His kids. three daughters. Yeah. And we haven't heard from them yet, but we have heard in this docuseries from his cousins, um, who I would say, you know, they all say they're shocked. But then they sort of can point to a couple things where they're like, huh, that was sort of weird. Yeah. Like um, that one cousin so that you... like, thinks that they were using his house as like a launch ground was crazy. It's crazy, but it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, what would you do if you found out one of your relatives was a serial killer? I mean, what would I do? Like... I don't know. It would obviously be really, I mean, I can't think of a relative that I would be like, oh, yeah, that's obviously like they're a serial killer, you know, so it's hard for me to to think of an example. But, I mean, how tough would that be to realize that, like, 
because again it goes back to like you can have really positive memories with someone you can love someone and they can be a really fucking horrible human yeah I think that you'd probably have some survivor's guilt like did you watch the Amazon Prime show about Ted Bundy's girlfriend oh yes I did I actually really liked that too that was a great one too. I can't remember it, exactly. Yeah, it was what like it was called, but it was like great. loving a mer- like some what was it? Anyway, we're talking it about was the same great. one. That was good. That's worth watching too. Even though we can't it tell totally you the is. title. And of I it. Think... But you'll you'll Google like yeah, <laughs> you'll, you'll find, find it. it. Go on yeah. Amazon, Ted Bundy girlfriend, you'll girlfriend. Get but the daughter the daughter of the girlfriend talks about having some survivor's guilt because at the same time that he was being sort of this really loving father figure to her, he was raping and killing girls her same yeah. age. And so I think that you would have, if you were like the daughter or family member of a what turned out to be a really bad criminal, I think you'd have some guilt for not recognizing it. You'd have, there'd be a oh, lot of Oh, I mean, emotions. it would mess you up for sure. Like, a spe- like, yeah, I think having a close family member, like, if if I found out one of my cousins was what I, cur- like, feel as a fa- I'm sure it would still be, like, very traumatic and not good at all. But if it's, like, my hypothetical brother I have or, like, someone I dated for five years or married, like, that puts a whole level of... And you just would yeah. never trust yourself yeah. again. You would never trust your intuition again. Like, I already totally, think about, totally. like, when you get cheated on and you're like, oh, my God, like, I should have known. How did I not know? I'm so stupid. I can never trust my gut again. But think about that yeah, person exactly. murdering 13 people. You're not. Yeah. You're not the right. same. Under, yeah, under you're your not nose. The, I mean, yeah. you're just, you're not. Well, speaking of, um, part of the reason that they finally found this guy was through, oh, and well, we'll get there. So part of it was through this breakthrough in genealogical data and DNA submitted to, and I want to make this point that it actually was not 23andMe. Like, it's not the ones where you purchase. It's the open sourced DNA banks where they use this, because that was like a hotly contested thing when this first came out was like. People were like, oh, my God, they used private data, which they Yeah, did they not. didn't. It was public. It's but, like, I've never heard of these websites that are available, but apparently it is. Yeah, it's like public domain DNA. Um, but would you ever submit your DNA for, like, into this bank so that potentially they could find more serial killers? I don't know. I did 23 and me and that's already like scared me enough because I feel like a lot of people found out that they like their parents weren't their parents or they had like half siblings <laughs> yeah. and all this stuff. I didn't really think about it until I did it and then started reading all these stories <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to be traumatized if all of a sudden it pops up and I have some half sister." Um yeah. but I don't know. I mean, Obviously, I would like more serial killers to be caught. I would hope that my DNA will not help that. Yeah, you hope that it's like, not in your family yeah, I'm, tree, I'm but hopeful. it might be. I really am. But yeah, I mean, I guess. Or maybe somewhere never. along the way, you have like the same great, great grandfather. Yeah, I mean, it could obviously be very, very far, like, detached. 
I don't know. I get freaked yeah. out about the government having like my information. I, I, I know that they already have all my information, but sometimes I go through like ebbs and flows where I get like paranoid. I could see myself getting paranoid about having my DNA on like open source. Just like yeah, floating out there. You? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I've never even done 23andMe. It like, even though I'm like, make no bones about like privacy and security and like use my Facebook API for like everything like yeah. we all do. Um, I, it like, it freaks Yeah, me I did it for the medical stuff to like learn if I had like oh, sure. BRCA or whatever. Um, I don't have that, but I probably am going to get Alzheimer's early. So that's exciting. I already am like convinced yeah, that that's... I already have it because I have such a bad memory that I wouldn't be surprised if I already have early onset Alzheimer's, but. Wow. Well, that's. And sad. no, it's just like, I'm more predisposed than the average. Yeah. It's not like you sure, will get sure. this. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, that's. Yeah, no, right. it's not ideal. But to be honest, I always thought I would like live fast, die youngish. So, <laughs> you know, I guess we'll see what happens. We'll see if we make it through 2020, Uh, to be perfectly honest. Honestly, who knows if 2020 will make it through 2020. Um, One thing that they did not talk about... Well, okay, in the show, they do cover his arraignment, um, which, interestingly, his first hearing happened during COVID, so, like, they're all wearing face masks and shields. Um. But here's something that really is annoying me. Did you notice how he, like, looked like this sickly old man and he could barely speak? Yeah. And he was in a wheelchair okay, for part. That is a, yeah, that's a lie. Because in all of the articles I've read, they were obviously uh, following him for about a week leading up to mm-hmm. his arrest. And they said the literal day before they arrested him and the whole week leading up to it, he was out riding his motorcycle and speeding. Um, he was out, like, mowing his lawn normally. Like, he is a faker. We already know he's a piece of shit human. He is perfectly healthy and well, and I 100% think that's an act. Oh, my gosh. That's so – I mean, I wouldn't be – I mean, I don't know. I do feel like – I guess, and he raped some pretty young girls too. So I do feel like people that go to prison for raping people, especially like hopefully just get what's coming to them in karma. So I'm just kind of hopeful that. Yeah, I mean, prison justice is pretty intense from yeah, what I mean, I've Yeah, heard. I'm not trying to go to prison because that sounds horrible. It's but I am kind of glad he group- didn't get the death penalty because I do feel like him suffering in prison is worse than him getting the death penalty. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he'll rot there, which I think I actually like I think there's a lot of problems with our prison system and frankly, yes. our entire justice system. Amen. And I think it's very archaic. Yes, completely. Um, it doesn't fit our 21st century society at all. That's said so I really like I don't believe in this thing I'm about to say but for him specifically he deserves to rot in there yeah I mean again he's like the one percent of criminals though right like he is a person right right terrorized women and men for decades with pleasure 
there's overwhelming DNA evidence, you know, like he's admitted to it. Like it is, we know that this man did a lot of horrible, horrible things. Like he's yeah, not slipping I mean, through I the, can... like he is, he should like pay for his crimes. Yeah, 100%. I'm thrilled that we have made a lot of advancements in the last couple years in DNA technology and that hopefully we can, with more precision, put the right people um, who actually deserve punitive actions in prison um, and identify the perpetrators of crimes that have, like, terrorized people for decades uh i'm excited about that yeah and on the flip side hopefully it will help get people out yeah exactly exonerate people that were victims of our criminal justice system yeah i really i think that that's um i think it's really exciting actually i think that's a great advancement that we've made preach so i'm trying to think of like other I I mean, I really, so what did you think about, like, Patton playing such a big role in this documentary? What did you think about him as a narrator, kind of? A co-narrator. Okay. Well, originally, as I was watching the documentary, I, I liked it. I thought that you know, it made a lot of sense because he was the person closest to Michelle and had probably the most insight on her thoughts around the time of of doing this book. However, and I really, I liked him more than I thought I would while I was watching it. But this really irked me. When I was doing my research, I discovered that and, and maybe these aren't in conflict and I'm making it a bigger deal than it is. But I feel like in the show, he acted like he was a grieving widower, which maybe he is. But apparently, he was remarried within the year that she died. Really? And that's like a, a stat. I Don't quote me on it, but like you can look it up. Apparently, like most men remarry within a year of their divorce or their wife dying. It's because, so like, like, men legit cannot function without women, like, doing stuff for them. I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm, like, I understand I come in with a lot of hot fire against men, and I don't always mean it, but it, it literally is that they, like, can't function. Yeah, I used to have this warped idea that, like, men didn't want to be married and settle down, but then I realized Actually, men want marriage more than women, I think, in a lot of cases. Oh, yeah, he did get married. So she passed away in 2017, and he got married again. Or no, so she passed away in 2016, and he was remarried by 2017. Yeah, exactly. So for me personally, it made it feel like his... Uh, part of the documentary was a little less authentic, but but maybe it is true that you can be a grieving widow or widower and also remarry quickly. I I don't know. Yeah. Ooh, I should have read this what? article. It says I didn't realize that he was remarried, but this article says yeah. having his wife watch the documentary was like much harder than he expected. Yeah, like, I bet I bet you that she was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, 
I thought you you're still acting this way about your dead wife. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think I, it's a I feel like situation. I would maybe haunt my husband if he got married that soon after me. Would you would you be like a scary hunter or would you just do mean shit like like remove his like swap out his shaving cream with like I don't know, like, something else that would be just, like, funny. And yeah, sneaky. I think I would just, like, maybe, like, because I'm, like, kind of, like, passive-aggressive. Like, maybe I would do, like, ghostly <laughs> things to remind them of me. Like, I would, like, spray my perfume on their pillow so, like, they would think of me. Or, like, stuff like – or, like, I'd, like, move a picture – like, I'd, like, move down the picture frame of, like, him and his new wife. You know, like – I could see myself doing you know, the just classic. like the classic, like yeah, I'm not gonna like really mess with him, but just like let him know what's up in the afterlife, like a little yeah, haunting, like, yeah, I haunting because I definitely don't think my soul is gonna be released. I feel like I have a lot. I'm gonna have a lot of shit to work out on the earth. I'm petty, so I just I already know that I probably will be trapped here for a while until I can ascend. Yeah personally I think that's true or or if reincarnation's a thing I think you have a couple more lives I yeah I know. I mean I definitely do I think I am not super new I feel like I've been around the block but I still have a long way to go <laughs> shall we say yeah yeah you're I'm not... definitely not a new soul yeah. but I still have got some some things to learn before I can ascend shall we say yeah, remember when we were gonna do past life regressions but then we I got know, too I scared I want to so bad I like I'm too scared. I mean, needle me up. Needle me up. But don't tell me that I've lived on this earth I know. So I go back and forth because, like, what scares me about the past life regression is, like, if I've been murdered in all my past lives, then I know I'm going to get murdered. You know, like, that's what scares me to find out if it's something or or if it's, like, you've never married in any of your lives. (laughs) I'm going to be like, fuck. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're actually here for the purpose of haunting yeah, the guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I mean, yeah, I'm scared yeah. to know that like something really traumatic has happened in all of my lives, and I'm like stuck in this cycle. Yeah, actually, I, this is related in my brain somehow. So, like in the show, in I'll Be Gone in the Dark. They have a voice actor doing the voiceovers of Michelle McNamara's texts and things and her journal entries. Um, who do you think would play you in a crime reenactment? Ooh, this is a great question. Yeah, because we can't Thank do you. Fuck, I Mary Kill. So this myself. is like maybe the best that I guess we could, but that'd be kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that yeah, works for this. Joseph yeah, exactly. we'll definitely <laughs> kill him. <laughs> um, I guess fuck Patton. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like all you're left with. Maybe Paul Holes. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, Paul Holes. Yeah. Um. Okay. Wait. But who? Okay. So who would play you? Mm. What actress would play me? There are there. It's just their voice, right? They're not physically playing me. No, I think that we should make it that there. There's some reenactment scenes. Okay. So. I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go honest of who like physicality wise like could do it. So I have heard Misha Barton before. 
And I feel like we kind of both have the Valley Girl. We have similar. She's also gained some weight from when, like, OC, her and I had the same body type. We're about the same body type now. (laughs) I think she's off the cocaine, so she's gained some pounds, which is good. I'm glad she's living her truth. Um, So I feel like her and I might be on the same page. I've also heard, who's that Haley Steinfield? That looks like the girl in Pitch Perfect 3, but that also is, like, a pop singer. Hmm, I don't see that one, but I'll take your word for it. That one doesn't check out the face. For me as I much. think the face is there. Mm-hmm. I think we, you should post a I'll side post by side, side, by side of all three, and and okay, the fans great. can Let decide. Um, okay, so yeah, what about you? Okay, well, I'm obviously very short, so, um, okay, well, like. What's her name? The girl who Vanessa Hudgens is also my height. Mm-hmm. I could see that. So maybe I guess that, but I've also heard that. And at first, I did not believe this, but then I saw some pictures and I was like, "Whoa!" Um, I've gotten Natalie Portman a lot in the face. Hmm. I think we need a side by side of that one. Yeah, yeah. We'll post it. We'll post Vanessa Hudgens and. Uh, Natalie Portman and you guys can vote yeah, on who, who will play us in our true or if you have other yeah. submissions feel free yeah 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 yeah, yeah. no they're especially before I'm, I'm I think this girl got a nose job but before her nose job I think we are much more similar okay well, well I'm gonna let the voters decide, decide. is literally your parents are gonna they'll vote be excited <laughs> I yeah, hope they're exactly. like, actually, um, um, Blake Lively should play you, Molly. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. Um, I mean, there's like so much more to talk about with this crime, but I guess I just highly recommend that people look into it for themselves, whether it's through this docuseries, which is only, was it five six or six episodes. episodes? I believe the first okay, one so is free online. Um, so you can give you a little yeah. teaser, but you will need HBO to watch. Not HBO Max. It works on regular OG HBO. Regular. Um, HBO for peasants. peasants. Yeah, HBO yeah. peasants. And I think it's really worth watching, even if you aren't yeah. a typical true crime fan, because like we talked about, it kind of has a twist and it has a, I guess, optimistic enough ending that we do get the fucker who, you know, committed all these yeah, crimes. Yeah, doesn't. Always no, it doesn't always shows. happen. A lot of times yeah. it's a mystery or like we don't see great justice served. So in this case, like we do see it or at least so far. And I think it's and it. I don't know. It, it's an upbeat true crime, like weirdly upbeat for in how way, like yeah. obviously horrible the crimes were. And I think it transcends genders. I think men I would, think like men would absolutely too. like it, too. I know that my dad is not going to like this episode because he can't watch any Law and Order or, like, anything about rape. So I, I don't even know if Carrie made it to minute 58 of this episode. All right. Well. So it is true. If you can't deal with any sort of violence against women, this isn't for you. But if if you can handle it, it's worth watching. It's, yeah. It's very worthwhile and also very worthwhile to read her book. Yeah, I want, I honestly do want to read the book. I'm like now cramming for a book club that I have on Sunday. So, this is a weird crime in that I've actually listened, honestly, at this point 
to probably four different podcasts about it, read the book, and probably watched two different shows about it. But for me, this is, like, not a one-and-done one. Like, this is, like, a where you, like, can compare and contrast the different the different media. So what would you say if our fans have watched or read or both, what would you say is the kind of like a good next step? Like what do you have a specific Ooh. podcast that you thought was good on it? Or is there another crime? Like if our fans like this crime, that mm. is a good one for them to like start researching too. Okay. Well, here's two things. I think that the, my favorite murder coverage of, this is really good because you can go back and listen to their couple episodes prior oh, to his arrest. Oh, yeah. And then that's after. cool. And that's sort of a fun reflection. Um, and then I'm sort of thinking maybe we should all do our own book club and, like, dive deeper into this BTK thing and the book that his daughter I would be super down to doing. I'm now in two book clubs, but I have really been trying to read more. And I'm down to start a third book club. So... Maybe in our side-by-side comparisons, we'll ask if people would want to read a book with us. Yeah, exactly. And we can dive into that one. That would be cool. All right. It's about that time. All right. Time. Well, that's it. It's that time again. We must leave you. But hopefully you enjoyed yeah, this. Yeah, thanks. Um, Please uh, like us. We'll- We're really close to 100 followers. So if you could share our page... Or force your boyfriend, yeah, we're, girlfriend, we're, ex. We're so close. We, we can, can smell, smell it. Um, so just, yeah, like, like us, listen to us. Leave us a review on um, Apple Podcasts or subscribe to us on Spotify. Just, yeah, we're whores. <laughs> Bye. <Thanks>. Bye. <laughs>